my mic before we start. How about that? <laughs> um, I want to thank everybody who watches from home. During the announcement time at the beginning, I always, you know, I say good morning to everyone here. I always forget the people watching at home. And I do go, and uh, I don't watch when I speak because I don't like even watching when I speak. But, um, but I like the comments, so I do check comments. And thank you so much for the comments that people put on um, who are watching from home and for joining us. It is a blessing to have uh, people know that people are worshiping with us even from their homes um, when we can't be here. So, so thank you for everybody who watches from home. Uh, to start today uh, with the message part, uh, two weeks ago I shared with you about my daughter because I share with you about my daughter every week. She is an endless fount of sermon material. Um, and, and I shared how on Christmas Eve, you know, she almost gave her, her life to Christ. She almost said that prayer. And we think we discovered yesterday why she did not. But that's for another day, or maybe I'll tie in with this. But before that, we had another conversation with her. Jessica had a conversation with her. And the conversation was about heaven. And I'm not sure how it came up, but it came up that she didn't want to go to heaven. And so her and Jessica had a long talk about, you know, well, why wouldn't you want to go to heaven? Heaven is an, an awesome place. And so they talked and talked, and, and eventually Amelia said, all right, I'll go if you're going. So, so, so Jessica came downstairs, and she's telling me about the conversation that she had. And she's concerned about it because, you know, are we not explaining this correctly? You know, I mean, what are we failing that uh, she's not getting the the greatness of heaven. And when she told me that, I immediately understood what Amelia was going through. Because when I was her age, maybe a little bit older, I had the same fear of going to heaven. And I can vividly remember not being much older than her and, and being kept awake at night by the idea that I was going to die and end up in heaven. And it was a beautiful place in my imagination you know, great buildings, and it was so bright, and I remember flowers and a field, um, but it terrified me because I was alone. And when you're young, what is scarier than the idea that you're going to go somewhere and be alone? And so as we talked about it, you know, I, I said, this is exactly what she's going through, the same thing that I went through. So that's what yesterday we were able to talk a little bit more about, and, and uh, Jessica thinks now that after their talk yesterday that her fear is also that she's going to go there now. <laughs> that if she says the prayer and, and asks God you know, to forgive her for her sins, that he's taken her right away. <laughs> and she's like, well, we're still here. So. <laughs> um, but, but that's the fear of a child. And when I got over the fear of that I'm not going to be there alone, the next fear that, that came to me was the fear of, of everlasting, of eternity, of never ending. And when I imagine eternity in my head, I, I see the timeline and I visualize this timeline, you know, with the two arrows going out on forever. And when I think about going forever and ever and ever, you know, I can only imagine that timeline going so far. So as I'm imagining it, for some reason, the timeline starts to spin. And as I'm thinking about eternity, that timeline is just going and going and going and going. But it starts to head downwards, you know, in that spiral down. And that's kind of how I viewed it. The thought of going on forever and ever and ever was terrifying as well to me. And 
It has taken a long time and a lot of study to understand heaven and eternity in a better way that I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I imagine that there's many of you out there who you also think about life after death. You think about what comes next. You know, and especially, you know, we think about our own mortality when we lose somebody or, or hear about somebody um, dying. You know, it, it leads us to those thoughts. And for the next few weeks, our topic is, is titled Endless. And we are going to hopefully share and maybe uh, work through some of the, the truths and the myths of eternity, of life after death, of what happens to us overall. So, you know, some of the myths that uh, we struggle with, and thinking, of course, it's Christmas, you know, um, just past Christmas season here, and struggling with the idea that we become angels. Like, a lot of people have this thought that we go to heaven and we become angels. We don't become angels when we go to heaven. Uh, and, And no matter how many bells ring, nobody who's deceased is getting their wings, all right? We are not sitting on clouds. We are not playing harps. So if everything we know from heaven is from It's a Wonderful Life or cartoons, we've got a lot of work to do. (laughs) And there's a lot of things that hopefully we will be able to work through uh, what is fact and what is fiction. So today we're going to be talking about who God is, who man is, and what is the choice in next week, we have Olivia Barnes is going to be sharing with us. So we're going to take a quick break from uh, our series. And Olivia is going to share a standalone message that I think will tie in. If it's, if it's on what I think it is, uh, it's going to tie in with today a little bit. And then in two weeks, we'll discuss heaven and hell. And then uh, the last week, we will discuss what now. So we've talked about these things. We've talked about life after death. Well, now what? You know, so what? So, today is, uh, our passage is John uh, 3.16. So, if you will open in your Bibles, or if you'll just remember it from memory, because I'm sure John 3.16 is one that most of us have memorized, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we get to come here to worship together, to learn together, to grow together, to mature together, Father. And that mostly that we get to come here and just lift you up and praise you in all that we do. Father, I pray you'd pour your spirit out on this place. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to receive. And I pray that what we hear is not necessarily the words out of my mouth, but the words that we need to hear wherever we're at, that you would speak directly to each one of us. And I pray that as we leave here today, that nobody leaves unchanged, but each of us leaves here having gotten a word from you, a word that will carry us on through the week, that we can think about, meditate on, and use to grow throughout the week, Father. Lord, again, we thank you, we praise you for everything. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
So who is God? I want to begin with our, our passage, uh, John 3.16, as we kind of dissect this passage. Because we see John 3.16 all over the place, right? We see it at uh, marches on Washington. We see it on uh, sporting events. We see it on eyes, guys' eye black. We see John 3.16 all over the place. Who is that passage about? And I think that what most people believe is that that passage is about them. That this passage is written about me. And we even take it so far as we'll say, insert your name in place of the world. For God so loved Tom that he gave his only begotten son that if Tom believes in me, he will not perish but have everlasting life. But as we look at that passage and we start to dissect it, and I think about the precept studies that uh, we used to do. Connie leads a precept study. Uh, Brenda Mitten leads a precept study. We don't have them right now because things are crazy. But if you ever get the opportunity to join one of these studies, I cannot encourage you enough because in those studies, we really learn how to dissect the scriptures. And I was thinking about this as I was looking at the verse. And as I as I was reading it, in a precept study, what we do is we mark keywords. Uh, there's some things we mark, like if there's repeating words or connecting words, we mark up our Bible a lot so we can really, it'll come to life and we can really see what it's saying to us. And as I read John 3.16, here is how I would mark up a couple of the key words. Whenever we see God, we put a triangle over God or any pronouns of God. When we see Jesus, we put a cross over Jesus or pronouns of Jesus. So in this short passage, I want you to hear where our marks are. For God, triangle, so loved the world that he, triangle, gave his, triangle, son, cross, that whoever believes in him, cross, should not perish but have everlasting life. In this passage, this short passage, five times there's references to God the Father and God the Son, to the Trinity in that passage. Who do we think that passage is about? That passage is about God. That is not a passage about us. And especially because we take this verse out of context, we only see this verse and we have no idea what's going on around it. This is a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus where he's explaining how to be saved and he's explaining God to a Pharisee. This passage is about God, not about us. And the reason this is significant to begin with is because we have to alter how we are looking at the scriptures. I know that it's nice to say that this is a love letter written to me. And that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and good inside. It's a love letter that God loves me so much, he just wrote me this nice little letter. But that's not really accurate. This is a letter from God about God. And because it's about God, it shares the great love he has for us. But don't mistake that it is about us. 
This is about who God is. This is not a love letter. It's a revelatory letter. Only way, the only way we know who God is is because he himself has revealed it to us through his word. On October 11th, we did a sermon on Exodus 32. And that's the sermon where if you were here, you learned how to remember the Ten Commandments. In that sermon, we talked about how even today we raise up idols. But the scariest idol today is not an idol made of gold or bronze. It's an idol that we make in our imagination. It's the idol of the imaginary God. And when we don't accept that the only way we can know God is through his word, the God we are worshiping then is not the God of his word, but it's the God of our imagination. And if you want to know the God of your imagination, look on Facebook. I'm constantly railing against stuff on Facebook about God because some of it is absurd and it is so different from the God that we see here. So if we truly want to know who God is, we have got to go to his word. And then we will also see if we truly want to know who we are, we also need to go to God's word. So where do we begin to find out who God is? We're going to start right at the beginning. First four words of the Bible. In the beginning... God. In the beginning, God. Because as we are talking about everlasting life and what happens to us after death, we are talking about eternity. Let's start right there. Before there was creation, before the universe existed, before there was time, there was what? There was God. God created all things, including our concept of time. God exists outside of time. And when we don't understand that, we have thoughts like, well, how can it just keep going and going and going? Baffled me how God could have no beginning. That, that just, that's impossible. How does that make any sense? But when we consider that the reality is that God exists outside of time, it starts to make complete sense. And C.S. Lewis says that when we understand this, it will change the way we understand how God views us, even. It is a profound thought to understand God existing outside of time. C.S. Lewis goes on to say, that to suggest that God is constrained within our timeline is the same as saying that an author is constrained within the timeline of the story that he is writing. Of course he's not. So why is that significant? Because what we see of ourselves is we see each passing moment. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about your life. You can close your eyes. Think about your life. Think of all the key times in your life and put them on a timeline. When you 
got married, when you had your first child, graduated college, whatever it is, put those key moments on your timeline in your head. You lived through each of those key moments and you could see yourself from that moment. As you are looking at that timeline, the way you are looking at every moment at once, that is the way God looks at us. God is looking at you through every moment of your life. When God sees you take your first breath, he also sees you take your last breath. He is not walking this timeline with us. He is watching us. God saw my grandfather being born the same time he saw my dad being born, the same time he saw me being born, the same time he saw my daughter being born, and he is witnessing every generation down the line. Does that not blow your mind? When you think of that, that God is witnessing all of it at once, I don't know about you, but I understand why the psalmists say things like, you know, majestic and almighty and wonderful. I mean, that is just incredible that God views me in my entirety. He's not just looking at one mistake I made. He is looking at me in my entirety. And that is who God is. If that is who God is, then who is man? And just as I said, we can only know God through his revealed word. We can also only know ourselves through his revealed word. Because again, we can only see ourselves from one moment to the next. But God has revealed the truth about all humanity for all time. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, so if, if I have, you know, if I want to know about myself and about humanity, where do I look? I can go to, and too often today, people go to other things. We go to um, philosophers, uh, psychologists, scientists, poets, you know, to find out what is humanity, who is man? And I was thinking, I drive a Toyota Sienna, if my car, if there's something I don't understand about my car, I'm not looking for the manual from a Ferrari to figure it out. As much as I may wish my car was a Ferrari, that's not where I'm going to find out about my Toyota Sienna. A Ferrari that holds three car seats is what I would like, but that's for another time. What's the manual we are going to look for? We're going to look for the manual directly from the creator, the one who made my vehicle, and we're going to look for answers about us as well from the Creator. Because let me tell you how God views us. <laughs> In Jeremiah 18, God sends Jeremiah to a potter's house. And I'm just going to read this to you. It's a 1 through 10. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. 
So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. God himself is telling us who he is in relationship to us. And I assume that we can all guess from that passage that God is the potter. We are the clay. And I think about, as I was thinking about this sermon and praying about this sermon, thinking about not just what do I want to say, but what do we as a church need to hear? And I think one of the things that we as the church need to be reminded of is that we are clay. We are a lump of clay. You're a lump of clay. I am a lump of clay. That is all. Apart from God, we are lumps of clay. Apart from his loving hands molding us into what he wants us to be, would have us to be, we would stay just lumps of clay. And I think that sense of humility is lost in today's church. And I like reading the saints. I like reading early church history stuff. And you very much see the humility in the the saints of the past. We are lumps of clay, but we have a loving creator who is designing us and has designed us to be something. And what has he designed us to be? I don't know for each one of you. I know in my kitchen I have a lot of little storage containers. And I know that I have different sizes, probably like many of you in your kitchens. And each size is valuable. Each container has a purpose. And if I had to use my really big storage container for a cup of soup that was left over, that would kind of stink. And I'd have to find a place where it would fit in the refrigerator. Every container is valuable. And it was the same as God is giving this analogy. Before Tupperware, there were clay jars. And some clay jars were big jars that held a lot of water that would have quenched the thirst of a lot of people. They would have had a great purpose. And maybe even more than that, maybe some of those jars would become the water, would become the, the jars that were holding the water that would be turned into wine that would be the first miracle that the Messiah would perform. And maybe some of those jars were just little jars. 
just big enough to be carried around with you and hold perfume. And maybe the perfume inside those little jars would have been the perfume that was poured out on the Savior's feet to clean his feet. God has created us, lumps of clay, to be so much more. God has given us a purpose here and God has a desire for us to have an eternal purpose with him. So what is the choice that's before us? In two weeks, we'll get into that a little bit more about heaven and hell. But the choice before us today is to remember in all humility that the choices that we make, the things that we do matter. Because we can't do it on our own. We are just lumps of clay. But we have a loving creator who wants to see us in eternity with him. Would you uh, pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this morning. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we leave here with a healthy balance of understanding and being humble at, our, at what we are, but also that we, we have that healthy balance of knowing how loved we are by you. Lord, your word says in John 3.16, you are God, you love us, and you want us to have everlasting life with you. Help us this week to remember that. And as we go through this series, help us to mindfully walk through and contemplate that this world is not the end. This world is, is not what we should be making decisions for. But every decision we make has eternal consequences. Let each decision we make draw us closer to you and closer to eternity. Father, we thank you and we praise you that you have taken lumps of clay and are using us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.